0: This is Dr. Tio Wan Lin, and welcome to my podcast, Dermatologist Talk, Signs of Beauty. Today, we're going to talk about the buzzword, clean beauty, and what it really should mean.
1: Many skincare products and other cosmetics claim to be natural, organic, green, or some combination of the three. Clean beauty has been the most recent buzzword in the skincare and beauty industry. Since there is no legal or official definition, many brands have taken it upon themselves to define the term clean beauty. Clean products nowadays are often marketed as preservative-free, all-natural, and free of synthetic ingredients such as parabens. But many brands don't often agree about which ingredients are problematic in the first place. Many say there's a disconnect between the information widely circulated by clean beauty enthusiasts and scientific facts. So is clean beauty really a sound movement or is it just a marketing ploy?
0: Since the introduction of the term clean beauty, there has certainly been quite a lot of controversy surrounding it, and rightly so. As a dermatologist, I have to emphasize that the definitions of clean beauty which are used by a lot of cosmetic brands aren't scientifically accurate, neither does it serve any true purpose beyond its obvious marketing value. Certainly, it is beneficial for all of us and brands in their advertising and marketing as well to take into consideration the issue about sustainability, cruelty-free products. But to formulate a product and to say that it is free of chemicals or synthetics, I think it is a little bit exaggerated because it's not possible. First of all, for a product to be completely free of a preservative in order for it to remain stable enough to be sold on the shelf and to have a certain expiry date which is mandated by all the cosmetic regulatory bodies internationally. But of course, there are other considerations. If you have a solid state formula, for example, when we formulated the lip serum stick for the lip lab, by virtue of the fact that it is a microcrystalline solid state formula, we minimize the amount of growth in bacteria and other microorganisms, compared to say, if it were a liquid or a gloss. In the choice of a preservative, we are able to use a natural antioxidant vitamin E. And the purpose of this formula was to ensure that it was a 100% edible lipstick formula. To apply the concept to a liquid foundation or to a moisturizer is not very sound because liquid formulas are a great culture media for most microorganisms so it's not feasible to safely formulate a product without a preservative and most of the time it's, it's going to be a synthetic preservative now of course there is emerging research about the possible effects of these preservatives for example parabens etc on the endocrine system in the long term but all that remains a topic that has to be further borne out by research as it is Almost all our skin care and medications are preserved by parabens. Our topical steroids all have parabens and in a lot of dermatologists recommended clinical care moisturizers as well. We currently omit the use of parabens in the moisturizer we formulate under the pharmacy and also in the cosmeceutical products. But there usually is another substitute that would prevent it from deteriorating in storage. So what should clean beauty really mean? Moving on to what clean beauty should mean, I'm speaking, of course, on my own accord. But my training as a dermatologist, I believe, allows me to arrive at this conclusion. I really would like the public to reflect on this concept of skin tolerability which, to a dermatologist, reflects on how well-tolerated a product or an active ingredient is by someone with sensitive skin, diseased skin, and in particular, an individual, say, with a condition like rosacea, perioral dermatitis, or eczema. Um, And it is something that could equally be well-tolerated by an individual with combination skin or acne-prone, seboric-type skin. It should be a formula that is as well-tolerated by someone in their 60s or another individual who's in their 20s. So the tolerability of cosmeceuticals directly influences it's effects on skin. You, you may have heard of synthetic cosmeceuticals, uh, and we are, of course, very experienced with the use of these because these are prescription items, and for the last decade um, has been the mainstay of anti-aging formulas in clinical practice. These would be retinoids for skin lightening, uh, for pigmentation, melasma, or uh, even treatment of solar lentigo, effelates, Hydroquinone is an example of a synthetic um, cosmeceutical. You may see on social media, certain scientists or pharmacists extolling the benefits of these synthetic chemicals and saying that these are not clean, active ingredients, but they are widely prescribed and very effective, etc. Well, all that is true, except that they do not see the side effects of these medications that we as dermatologists see. And in particular, in this part of the world, Its effects on Asian skin, I believe, are more pronounced than its Western counterparts because of the nature of Asian skin being more pigmented and more prone to developing post-inflammation hyperpigmentation from use of these synthetic cosmeceuticals. I speak from personal experience, I was using a retinoid for over a decade. This was in my 20s up to my early 30s, and I was able to tolerate the highest dose of retinoid at 0.05%. But once I hit my 30s, I found that I started to develop retinoid dermatitis, and a lot of individuals will develop retinoid dermatitis even if they do not have sensitive skin. This is because of the cumulative effect of retinoids, and it's a well-established adverse reaction. I would say that perhaps because uh, pharmacists and scientists are not at uh, the treatment end where they are clinically reviewing and treating patients, is something that, that you don't see. And um, I feel this is where my input as a dermatologist uh, becomes valuable. Is it wise, for example, to follow certain advice to just wait out the irritation um, side effects and and try to, quote unquote, harden your skin until you're able to tolerate it? Now, I've read that um, somewhere from a non-dermatologist, and I believe it was a doctor who said that. And I feel that, um, you know, on a personal level and also based on my clinical experience as a skin specialist, that that is not necessarily the best thing to do. What I have been doing the last three to five years is if a patient develops retinoid dermatitis, we simply would stop the retinoid and we wouldn't go back on that. The reason is because there are alternatives that produce retinoid like effects but without irritation. Oligopeptides, for example, are involved in cell signaling and this can stimulate collagen the way a retinoid does. And it is very tolerable. I've never had a patient with an adverse reaction to an oligopeptide formula. And frankly, that's the mainstay on, of my regimen. I have not used retinoids in the last four to five years. The other thing is, of course, um, as we understand a lot more about botanical actives, mainly from the Korean dermal cosmetics industry. Traditionally, the Eastern um, world of beauty has focused on herbal remedies in skincare and healthcare um, in Korea, along with the rest of East Asia and China. And Western medicine is gradually realizing that certain TCM extracts, for example, berberine, does exert potent anti-inflammatory, anti-sebum effects that are effective for the treatment of acne. These have been borne out in cell studies, as well as in a few case series.
1: What benefits does the clean beauty movement bring to the beauty and skincare industry? I feel that clean
0: beauty itself is a good concept because it encourages people to reflect on their lifestyle practices. I'm all for sustainability and I think that cruelty to animals is utterly unnecessary in the context of animal testing. I think it is well-established now in the cosmetic industry that animal testing is not necessary. With the COVID-19 pandemic and the ultra-rapid development of a vaccine, I think it's been clearly borne out that we actually don't need to have all these so-called animal testing protocols before we go on to human trials. This is not to say that our results are always going to be foolproof, Uh, But there is a certain logic in testing in the human population when, in fact, these are what will be used in the human population. And I think there is a point, um, you know, in which the entire pharmaceutical industry should um, come together and, and reflect on this collectively. The aspect about beauty being free of cruelty is probably the most beautiful thing that has come out of this clean beauty movement. But there is another aspect, which is the science-based aspect, and not to spread misleading information. So if someone thinks that they're going to be able to come up with a clean formula by DIYing their own chemical peel with fruits or citrus in the kitchen, now that's very dangerous. Or if they think they can concoct their own DIY home skin remedies with apple cider vinegar, etc. to apply on the skin, We know for sure it can lead to skin irritation, and I myself have seen quite a number of patients who have suffered irritant contact dermatitis from these home remedies.
1: You mentioned that one of the main features of a good skincare product will be about skin tolerability. Can you tell us a little bit more?
0: So, back to this issue about skin tolerability. There are a few components which determine how well tolerated a product is and It has to do with the composition of the formula. So whatever you're trying to deliver to your skin, be it in the form of a peptide, an ingredient like an antioxidant, vitamin C, ferulic acid, you have to bear in mind a few things. What is the irritation potential of the active ingredient? And thus the base of your formula reflected the ability for the cream or lotion to repair the skin barrier? You may want to deliver the active ingredient, but you mustn't forget that it needs a vehicle. And that's why certain active ingredients are best delivered in the form of a serum and others in the form of a lotion. And in our case, we use an emulsion formula, which is much more appropriate for our humid tropical climate. Given that combination skin is the most common skin type, at least in this part of the world, it has the benefits of having significant oil levels in order to increase the penetration of the active ingredients, but at the same time it remains lighter than a cream formula, allowing rapid absorption, which is a very important uh, point for the sensorial aspect of cosmetic application, um, which a lot of men and women do care about. We've covered a few concepts in the podcast today. Firstly, clean beauty isn't a scientifically accurate definition of skincare or makeup formulations. Secondly, It is my view that dermatologists should be clear on their stand on the risk of skin irritation with synthetic cosmeceuticals like retinoids and hydroquinone, especially in skin of color. Thirdly, considering the environmental impact of our beauty practices from brand packaging to saying no to animal testing should be the focus of this movement. And lastly, I prefer to use the term conscious beauty also because beauty truly starts from the inside and because of all of the reasons we discussed above. Well, I hope the ending of this podcast has put a smile on your face just like it's put a smile on mine. Till the next episode and remember to follow us on Spotify, Apple or wherever you get your podcasts for the latest updates.